Well, good morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for July 9th, 2017. Koyo Kubose here. So very, very glad you joined us in the good old summertime. And a couple of days ago, uh, I was helping my sister-in-law who lives about 45 minutes south of me on a farm, her family farm. She grew up there as a child and then after many decades returned after her parents had passed away and took over the farm in Fowler, which is, um, they grow Thompson grapes for raisins. And, of course, they're gentlemen farmers' family there's a foreman and so forth that they have a contract with and that takes care of everything takes care of everything uh but they could participate uh as much as they want to and of course they have their right around their house they have their own personal vegetable garden and orchard and everything for themselves not for you know but their commercial so many acres of grapes for raisins but so she takes care, and it's still a big job, take care of the, right around the house, and they have a big walnut tree. And uh, you know, as, a, as a farm, they have um, barns and garages and outbuildings, and this, uh, <clears throat> it's almost a given that if you ever plant your own tree, um, it always gets big, different when it's small and you plant it and when it gets big. So it got big, this walnut tree, and it was big limbs over the shed and over this storage tank. And Plus it had gotten pretty thick in terms of the branches internally in the middle of the tree and so forth. So it needed thinning out. It needed some major pruning. Uh, and that's a big job. So I had a, I bought a neat uh, pruning saw. It's battery run. You know, before they used to, you might have electric one, but then you got the cord, and then you could get a gas one. You know, you got to, uh, <clears throat> it's notoriously hard to start and so forth. Uh, but the new technology is these lithium batteries. And so I got a still, that's the brand name, still uh, set where it had, you have a single battery and, you, and, of course, it's rechargeable, and then you could put it into the electrical pole saw that extends out, oh, even 20 feet, huh? and also a weed whacker and also, you know, different attachments. So I had this uh, brand-new battery-powered pole, pole saw, and it's, got a, it's just got a little chainsaw on the end of this pole that extends out, extension. So we got my sister-in-law and uh, her son-in-law, her son, and and I, and Friday morning, here in the Central Valley, in the summertime, uh, you better do some outdoor work when it's cool early in the morning. So I told them I'm going to get there around 6 a.m. 6 a.m.? <laughs> Good thing we did. By 9, by 9 a.m., it's, it's starting to get hot. You know, 
So we started and pruning this walnut tree. Now here's the teaching. How do you plan and do things as you live life? Things to do and, you know, we make plans. And there's an old saying, it comes from a different religious tradition, but it says, man plans, God laughs. There's two wrong PCs there. <laughs> you always say man, you know. People, human beings plan and the universe laughs. It's the difference between, uh, well, you might call it abstract, intellectual, rational, logic. and You know, we, of course we have to plan. I'm not saying it's not a matter of either or. Ah, you don't have to plan anything, just do it. Of course not. You've got to have flexible plans. Mental flexibility is the key part of wisdom because it's based on experience, doing. It's not armchair philosophizing okay? in terms of how it relates to actual life. You've got to live life, okay? And then you see what's happening. You see the reality. Okay? Truth and reality are synonymous. Okay? Truth is not decided by thinking and by the logic of thinking. Not when it comes to human life. Okay. So in other words, how does this apply to pruning the walnut tree? Well, hey, hey, Joyce, my sister-in-law. Well, how, what, do you, what do you have in mind here? You know, you, you see the tree every day. You, it's your tree, and, and we all chip in our opinions about where we should cut, what limbs, et cetera, et cetera. This is our planning phase. And then we realize from based upon past general experience with such matters, so well, for sure we want to cut here and here, okay, let's do that and then see where we're at, how it looks then. Hey, hey, hey. And that's the thing. So we cut. We can't just just cut this big branch off near the trunk. It's going to be too heavy and big, unwieldy, and then you might even, if it's over the roof of a shed, it might even damage the roof. So you start out near the near the tip where it's smaller and and that's why we got this pole saw. Get sort of about, you know, three, four feet off the tip. Drag that out of there and then go in another three, four feet. Okay. And as you get closer to the trunk, of course the the limb is more diameter. Larger diameter and it's heavier. Okay, so we get rid of kind of lighten the whole limb by chopping it in sections gradually. Then okay? we do this, and we have a guy, guys hauling one cutter, one hauler, and you gotta say, well, what should we do with all the limbs? So we, uh, well, I, you know, son-in-law Richardson said, ah, oh, we could take it to this place I know, so we, and just dump it. Okay, so okay, so got the pickup truck and back it up near there and throw all the cut limbs into the bed of the pickup truck for later hauling away. Of course, we could burn it. We could, you know, just stack it up someplace, the waste. But all these things, okay, as you're doing it, oh, this is what we need to consider and so forth. So we cut a few major limbs and tree's big. Looks like we're cutting a lot, and we are cutting a lot, but the tree's still big. <laughs> we're not chopping it down you know, really thin, it's squishy. 
and it starts to, you could start to see the, go under the tree, and you can see the sky a little bit through the leaves and branches. So, yeah, you're getting a little air in there. Huh? It's healthy for the tree. If you can't get fresh air blowing through the tree, okay, more susceptible to mildew, rot, and not as healthy. And then the sun can get down to the lower leaves if the canopy is so dense. All these things you don't really realize. So you, you actually live life, actually prune the tree, and then you see what's going on. And because what you directly see, you say, oh, yeah, I see. <laughs> well, now what shall we do? Well, let's reassess and say, okay, now shall we cut here? How about here? How about here? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Oh, this one here. Oh, yeah, we'll save the one that comes out like this and goes upward. Yeah, we'll cut this one that's going to be growing downward later on. We project into the future and cut. Okay, we'll cut some more. So, yeah, this will be good for five years. And we'll cut over. Oh, man, we just changed it to it. This is going to be good for 10 years before it starts to get overgrown. Now, we'll go over the shed and the tank and everything. And we're storing, getting, hauling away the dead branches, the cut branches. <laughs> And I had a little jiggle saw, they call it. It's a reciprocating saw. It also has battery. And uh, it's a great saw. And when the limbs are down on the ground, cut, and you get the side limbs, the little, you know, cut those off so that it's easier to handle the fallen cut limb. Cut it down to size again, too. It's not so bushy, and you can handle it and throw it into the, and so forth. Then I was thinking, you know, there's a parallel for life teachings, too. You don't need to figure out, plan ahead of time too excessively. I don't say don't plan. Okay? It's that excessive, rigid, dogmatic nature of things that will lead you astray when you actually have to live your life. It's certainly, here's a good... <laughs> Analogy. I read this about, and it's in another context, but it's when you drive at night. You're driving in your car at night, and your headlights only go 50 feet or so. That's all the road you can see. And yet you're going to drive miles and miles, and you could make the whole trip safely just by looking in front of the road a little bit. But then you go a little bit more, and then your light shines there where it used to be dark, and you can say, hmm, here's the road. Oh, it's turning here. Now, this is a no-brainer. It might seem silly and simple to life, but when you translate it to other kinds of situations, we, we make a mistake. We want to say, hey, I want to see the whole world of where my, my actions and my life plans are going to be. I want to know exactly everything, you know. You might, you might, you could spend forever looking at all the contingencies, all the possibilities, all the logical alternatives and options and, you never even get out on the road. You never live your life. You're always thinking too far ahead. You never unpack your bags on the vacation. You don't make yourself at home in the present moment. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, I am got carried away. Cutting, pruning the walnut trees. I want to introduce our guest today to give us a dimer glimpse. This is Noah Mayo. lives in Utah, and he... This is a newly inducted Bright Dawn lay minister this past May for induction. 
he and five of his classmates came out to Bright Lawn Center here in Coursewood, California, part of Lay Minister Nine Group. It was a great group. And Ma Yo, Ma, Ma in this case is a Chinese character, kanji for shining, and Yo for Taiyo is the sun. Shining sun. Of course the sun shines, but by saying the shining sun, he put the emphasis on the fact that he's, he shines bright. And then it's kind of a incidental thing, but you know you got the two characters that make up the Dharma name, okay? Two Chinese kanji and Ma and Yo. But when you put it together, unless you have that Y as a capital Y, or you put a hyphen between the Ma and the Yo, it might look like Mayo in terms of the English pronunciation. And I know he likes mayonnaise, but that's not the, that's not the, that's not his Dharma name, okay? pronunciation thing, but so his name is not Mayo, okay? Ma Yo in terms of the consonant vowel type of pairs that make up the pronunciation units, okay, in Japanese Chinese uh, words. So Mayo, okay. And um let's hear from Noah Mayo sensei. Greetings, everyone. This is Noah Mayo Rochetta. I am sharing a Dharma glimpse with you today. And this is coming from a story that I recently came across uh, that I really enjoyed. And it's a story about um, one day after the Buddha and a group of monks had finished eating, uh, a farmer was uh, came by, was really agitated, and saying, Monks, have you seen my cows? Uh, I don't think I can survive so much misfortune. And the Buddha asked him what happened, and, and the man said, Well, monks, this morning all 12 of my cows ran away, and this year my whole crop of sesame plants was eaten by insects. And the Buddha said, Sir, we have not seen your cows. Perhaps they have gone in the other direction. And you know, the farmer runs off frantically in that direction looking for his uh, cows. And the Buddha turned to his sangha and says, uh, Dear friends, do you know, do you know how you are the happiest people on earth? You have no cows or sesame plants to lose. Um, and then, you know, we the, the story goes on to communicate that we always try to accumulate more and more, and we think that these possessions are essential to our existence, when in fact they may be the very obstacles that prevent us from being happy. So the idea of release your cows and become a free person, uh, release your cows to, to become happy, uh, that's the... Um, the moral of the story. Now, this story came to me during uh, a time in my life when it really resonated with me. I own a company that manufactures photography accessories, and I've been selling my products all around the world to uh, big box retail companies like Walmart, AT&T Wireless. And my company has experienced some setbacks in the last several months to the point where uh, last month in May I finally had to file for bankruptcy um, when you work with, with large companies like Walmart the way that the agreements are written they can essentially do whatever they want so they can order an incredible amount of inventory and after a few months they can say never mind take it all back and then you have to pay them back if they had paid you for anything and that's essentially what happened to me and you can imagine when when it's that large of quantities, you know, you're talking 3,000 stores, multiple units per store. 
Um, unfortunately, it was a devastating blow that I was not able to recover from. So when I came across this story, I was right in the phase where I was trying to decide if this was a survivable scenario for, for my company. And the way I envisioned the story, I was imagining, you know, that moment of, of having lost the cows, this poor man still thought there was hope to find them. And in with that hope, you know, ran off frantically looking for them. And um, the the story that was communicated by the Buddha was, you know, if you don't have the cows in the first place, you don't have the, the stress of losing them. Uh, when I when I was reading that, my, you know, the... Uh, the lesson that I got from it wasn't that I shouldn't have cows. It was how quickly can we let go? How, how quickly can can I move on understanding, well, those cows are gone. You know, in this case, maybe, you know, while you're still looking for the cows, thinking that there's a, a chance to find them, sure, I think the effort is worthwhile to look for them. But the moment you realize they're gone or you discover they're all dead, like in my case, the moment I realized, okay, this is not something that my company can recover from. This is it. Um, at that point, how quickly can I um, let go, let go of, of the idea of, of, of these cows? And in my case, you know, how quickly can I realize, well, this is this is what it is now. That's that's not something I can. Rem- it's unnecessary to reminisce on that and to think, well, I should have done this or I should have done that. You know, I can look at this whole situation and learn from it absolutely but i the the suffering that i would continue to experience by hanging on to the cow uh and is essentially to me is that lesson of uh, attachment i'm no longer attached to what happened and i'm going to move on and i'm going to find a new way around it i'm going to rebuild i'm going to do whatever i need to do next but there's no angst around the loss of the cow and that was that was a uh, an interesting lesson for me because as I read that story, I felt like I felt like I could understand both parties. I understand what it feels like to be the the poor frantic farmer looking for the cows, but I also understand what it feels like to be the monk sitting there serenely, thinking, "Well, I'm glad I don't have any cows to worry about," because the moment I realized those cows were gone for me, that's how quickly I internally felt like I can sit down and and say, well, I don't have any cows to lose now. I've already lost them. Um, so that's the Dharma glimpse. I think it's a, it's a story to me that conveys the importance of the understanding of non-attachment, of learning to let go, of learning the wisdom of, adaptabil- of, of adaptability, the wisdom of being able to say, this is the hand I have now, my my hand of cards, right, in, in the game of life, and that hand switches, and now these are the cards I have, how quickly am I willing to adapt? And that ability to let go of what was, uh, to be, to allow what is to be, uh, is the wisdom of adaptability, and peace and contentment can come, uh, can arise out of having that ability to allow the present to be what it is. And if the past had cows, but the present doesn't have cows, it's the present that matters. There's no need to linger in the past. Um, so I've applied that to my own situation, um, and it's been it's been very helpful to move past that rather quickly and to move on and to know that, 
I'm I'm with the present moment now the way that it is, and the present moment doesn't have any cows for me anymore. Um, so that's where I am with it. That's the Dharma glimpse I wanted to share. And I hope that in your own life you can look at the cows that you possess, the possessions that you have that you fear losing, or the ones that you've recently lost that you haven't let go of, and to look at it in the light of this story and to ask yourself, is there any attachment there that may be the source of some of the suffering I'm experiencing? Sure, the suffering that we experience out of the loss is natural and normal, but there's a second layer of suffering that we experience, and that's usually uh, concerned with the attachment, the, the suffering that we experience at the resentment for having lost something because we haven't let go. Um, so that's my uh, invitation to you with this Dharma glimpse, to be able to um, think of the cows and to recognize the moment there are no more cows, there's no more risk of losing a cow because it's already gone. And I've experienced that again in my own life, and, and I'm grateful for this lesson and so many other lessons that have been very helpful for me during this time in my life going through the business losses that I've recently gone through. And that's all I have for you. Thank you. Until next time. Ah, this is tremendous teaching. Very, very practical. Very, very basic. Uh, We could use all kinds of uh, metaphors, examples, and so forth to express one teaching. And we need this. We need to hear it in many applications with the same teaching. And then when we really know that teaching that way, we, when we hear something, we say, yep, that's it. And we're reminded because we always forget. That's why we have to keep going. But the, the title huh, could be Cows No Cows. You know, we need these little nugget phrases like a little handle of a big luggage of a teaching. Grab it easy. That's very valuable. Okay. Got nice little flyers and tools in our spiritual toolkit. Huh? And then we could use these as new situations come up to work with them. Okay. The problem is not that there are problems in life. Okay. The human problem is our attitude about these things, that these stones in front of us are not obstacles, but maybe we can even go around them easily or use them as stepping stones. Here's a nice tool, a knife, but if you grab it by the wrong end, by the blade, you're going to cut yourself. We want to simplify things too much sometimes. Is it good or bad? (laughs) It all depends on the context and, uh, you know, the reality of things. You can't decide in your head what's good or bad or fair or unfair. You have to live life and see what's going on. Now, when we think think about suffering due to loss, uh, then we know what it means to say, hey, let go or be dragged. The only way you're going to grow is to let go. So let go and grow. X is not the problem. It's how we deal with X is the problem. It's our own inner personal attitude. And that's a difficult thing that we always have to keep going on. When we say non-attachment, 
We don't mean don't care about things. It means don't victimize oneself. If you love something and you're one with it, you're not, you're not attached to it. Attachment means dualistic attitude, I guess you'd call it. What do you mean dualistic? Or you know, non-attachment means non-dualism. I mean, not two means one. If you love ice cream, eat it. <laughs> oh, I should have said that. Everybody's going to say, since I said it's okay to eat ice cream. You know, it's when you dichotomize or the dualism of all subject object, me, the world, external problems coming down the road. Now, Yogacara, this is around the time of uh, Nagarjuna and uh, Madhamika school and and the Yogacara school, mind only school. And the first iconic verse in the Dhammapada, the oldest sutra, the Buddha's sayings, all that we are is a result of what we have thought, made up of our thoughts. Action follows our thought like a shadow that never leaves us and so forth, so forth. To recognize the power of our thoughts. And with that power comes also not just the awareness, but to be aware, beware of the potential dangers of dogmatic, rigid thought. Yes, thought's so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But flexible thought, too. There's layers of truth, different textures, examples. Depends on time, person, place, and time. Yeah, it applies for me right now. How about next year? Is that going to be truth forever? That's 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 rigid and not pliable. Huh? Hey, I was supposed to. Things turned out like this. Oh no, my business. Oh, or this or that, this or that. Oh, I remember one time we were talking about this, and I fuck after the. Dharma talk, Father, it's kind of a small seminar group, and he said, when I tell my my young child, children, this is part of what emotional maturity or growing up is about, learning this truth that we're talking about. And young children, you know, things don't go their way they expected or wanted to. And his father said, you know, with, with his, to his young son, that something happens that's suffering from some kind of loss, the loss of a certain expectation, perhaps. He says, I always tell my son, they they know children's stories, and you could utilize these, you know, themes in literature or cartoons or things that the child's familiar with. And Stuart Little is a a mouse that goes on adventures, and yeah, I don't remember who the author is, and so forth. But so he, the father says, you know, what I say to my son when he has a setback like that, I said, like Stuart Little says, it's on to the next adventure. Bam! Isn't that great? Huh? It just reframes your attitude. That's all for today's broadcast.
Till next time, keep going, and you have a beautiful day.